So tell me a little bit about this particular effort. Ultimately, we're trying to answer a very human question. Is there anybody else out there? And really for the first time in history, not only do we know that it's possible for there to be life out there, we have the capacity to search for it. Wow. <laughs> this is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 211 for the week of July 16th, 2018. I am wild-eyed tank girl David T. Cole, and I'm here with contested toe implant Sarah D. Bunting. Um, it's a dilithium crystal. And experiencer Tari Ariana. Uh, abductee is ableist. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a streamlined episode of Extra Hot Great. We did have a guest, but he or she was uh, renditioned by life forms <laughs> outside of our solar system slash technical problems. Uh, but we will soldier on with the reboot of In Search Of, which uh, some of you who are my ancient alien age might remember as the uh, Leonard Nimoy sort of like general science crackpot exploration show that went on for seven seasons. Huh. Eventually, Mitch Pileggi took over. That was not a success. Uh, I did a marathon diary of the entire original series, which you can find on our site at previously.tv. And now uh, the new Spock, Zachary Quinto, has taken over as the host. Uh, there are some other changes as well. Um, this did not work for me, this reboot. Um, I wouldn't say the original was good, but it was entertaining in ways that this, I think, can't be. I have some theories as to why that is, but uh, I'd like to hear from our other ancient alien uh, experts before <laughs> before I get into my grand unifying theory of how Reddit ruined everything. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> Dave. Do- I'm very interested to hear that uh, that theory. Um, I do have to lead off by um, saying this about Inserto. Let the wide stick give you the edge. Speed stick, super dry, <laughs> antiperspirant. In search of. <laughs> yes. In search of, without the ellipses, <laughs> has a problem here in 2018, which is there are shows which are fantastic, which also live on the History Channel, which fully embrace the kooky, off, fringe theories that in search of just poo-poos and says that these fantastical theories are just that fantastical. You have Zachary Quinto coming in and basically kind of being, uh, you know, a skeptic for the most part, sort of soft shoeing a lot of obvious kook bars that are on the show. <laughs> but then on the other side, you got ancient aliens, which is full of people that fully believe all the horseshit they're spewing. And one yeah. is much more entertaining to watch than the other. I completely agree. You have to commit. Yes. In one in one sense, it is refreshing that In Search of here in 2018 actually presents people who are talking bullshit and then scientifically <laughs> calls them out on it. Like that is actually kind of like, oh, yeah, right. You can you can still do that. Right. Is that still allowed? Like they have a. And a uh, an abductee who takes a polygraph test and flunks it, and they have a guy that says this piece of metal in his toe is an alien radio, 
and they analyze it, and it's just a piece of metal. <laughs> yeah, and they confront him on this, and he's or... like, "That's how they get you. Like, that's not that's not how they get you. There is no they. They didn't get you. No, <laughs> I was a little surprised they went there with with busting both of these dudes. But... Oh, yeah. I mean, they obviously were hoping something else was going to happen, and then had to show the results. I suppose, but like, yeah, we were we were talking about this category of show a couple of weeks ago when we had Jeff Drake on and did our reality roundup with the Cousteaus and their search for not pirate, not gold, not in the Caribbean. <laughs> um, and this is like, and also, I mean, back to last summer when we talked about the Rob Lowe in search of take from a and E, which like at first I was like, this is so hilarious. I'm going to watch every episode and like very rapidly lost interest because like, there's only so much you can do with something like this. As Dave said, when, when you're not starting from a position of everything is credible, <laughs> which just Let makes me, it sort of boring that this makes this boring. I have one clip I want to play from ancient aliens, which will demonstrate why it is the superior entertaining show. I'm not saying like from a factual standpoint, obviously, because all these shows are nonsense. But as far as the buy-in goes, as far as the entertainment value goes, as far as the caliber of talking head that you get, just listen to this clip and uh, I think you'll understand where I'm coming from. We've never found an official sanctioned document that says we're invaded by aliens. This is what we do. Doesn't mean that there isn't one. <laughs> right? That's true. Yes, absolutely. Evidence seconded. <laughs> and I mean, I think for it, 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 like for one thing, like cryptozoology and all that kind of stuff was very hot in the seventies in a very new way. In the way yes. that it isn't now, like this is all old hat territory that they're going yeah. over, like you know. Uh, abductions, you know, fire in the sky era stuff. Like this is all uh, stuff that like Nimoy did the first time. And they're really not bringing anything new to the table except for production value. And you don't have like, you don't have that like seventies flavor of like Leonard Nimoy very seriously doing ESP tests while wearing one of those like seventies golf or tennis sweaters <laughs> with a group of fourth graders. And it's like, all right, that, like you don't have Nimoy. Like uh, ZQ is doing his best, and he is really trying not to sell out the goofy shit that he's given to say mm -hmm. when he's, you know, especially when he's like put in the position of comforting whatever I like to call it, Coven lying yes! abductee <laughs> guy. He's like, it's all right, pal. Like it isn't though, New no. Spock. It's not okay at all. Uh, and ugh. so the problem is that in the seventies we didn't have the internet. This stuff right. hadn't been memed to death yep. and you had like seventies fashion and um, like real lens flares and not ones that were made. Uh, and like we've attached electrodes to this fern. And then they used a polygraph guy that was like part of the Jeffrey McDonald murder case. And I was like, <laughs> okay, like this is a slice of 77. Yeah. You don't have that anymore because you have Google and you have Reddit. And here's another issue. They led with aliens, which like of any of these topics, this is the one that I will care about the least mm -hmm. guaranteed. Well, the other problem is that, I mean, the difference between the 70s and now also is that 
you don't need an anthology show like this because you can just pick whatever you're interested in and there's guaranteed That's to true. be at least one show about it on what if bigfoot but sweatier we got you covered it's swamp Monsters. exactly yeah every exactly. tuesday <laughs> yeah and the old one like it was an anthology show within the show it was half an yeah. hour which like now that would be 21 minutes back then it was like 24 um and they had three segments in each one so if you weren't into the leadoff one about aliens, you were only spending nine minutes with it, seven and a half minutes with it. And then they moved right. on to, okay, granted, it was usually that the Mayans were responsible for everything from like glider flight to <laughs> why we have to do fractions in math class. And that shit gets a little <laughs> old. But then occasionally they're like clipping electrodes to a ficus and you're like, what even? Yeah. 70s. But it's fun. And even when it's not, another segment is coming and under 10 minutes with this it was like are we are we actually watching him floating in a tank and then being yeah hauled up by a harness like what does this prove yeah exactly let's 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 just quickly walk through zachary quinto's journey in the aliens episode in search of (laughs) the first big segment he's talking to coven guy and he's this thin (laughs) lanky mulleted trucker hat wearing dude he's so like out of central casting, burnout Absolute, guy. Yeah, Hesher central casting. Looks like Cletus from The Simpsons. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. And for reasons they never explain, uh, Zachary Quinto goes to his house and this guy immediately escorts him down to his basement <laughs> where he's got all these paintings of greys and whatnot that, mm. uh, you know, he's channeling his abduction experience into, into art that he sells on the internet. So look it up, Kyle something or other kyle Coven. bond uh <laughs> kyle bond. alien art google it buy it live it and then <laughs> this guy's like well i'll take a polygraph test to prove i'm i'm genuine he's like all right so they do a polygraph test he flunks it and then zachary quinto goes out to uh this satellite seti you know search for intel uh, extraterrestrial intelligence set up and the, the contact bay yes. yeah exactly they're there's listening to beeps and boops and they're like do you want to press the button to start it and he just presses a key on a keyboard <laughs> it's so anticlimactic <laughs> i know there's toe guy who is this uh what was his profession he was he a he was a chemist of some sort he or said a, he was a scientist yeah at slash futurist uh-huh. But he had a little thing in his toe. They said the aliens left there to track him into. Basically, it was an alien Fitbit that they put in his toe. So he said, <laughs> yes. And then uh, he's like, I swear, like, you know, if you did a proper full spectrum analysis of this, you would find out that it has, you know, uh, an obtainium or something like that. Yeah, so they exactly. do it. Well, he said he had and it had like gallium and shit. And then they were like, and no. they didn't. it was just it was just like, you know, like it was nothing. And then they go to Tank Girl and Tank Girl is uh has got zachary quinto in a harness uh slowly lifting him up from a pool of water towards the ceiling and zachary quinto is trying really hard to be in the moment but he's just like oh wow i mean uh, that's something (laughs) this called on all of his powers not only the um opening credits in which he is sciencing with a very nimoy like at least nimoy had some fun with it that he's like Mm -hmm. i'm wearing a maroon bell-bottom three-piece suit in front of a fireplace where we'll be discussing the real king richard the third and you're like okay that's your best life nimoy i agree (laughs) you agree Kito is like i fucked up so he's like sciencing super hard in the opening credits and then (laughs) 
per my notes, someone please give ZQ an Oscar for pretending that this replicates the experience of an abduction using Honestly. a large kiddie pool and a sex swing harness. I hate this show. So, <laughs> listeners, I hate this show. I, but if they had chopped it up even a little that it's like, just put a D.B. Cooper at the end so that uh, Buncey has a reason to live. But no, all aliens, <laughs> all bad, all dumb, and doesn't believe in itself, like Dave said. I think that yeah. actually is the biggest problem, is that it has no, it doesn't have the courage of its crackpot tictions. It is an outlier on cable television so far that this is in search of, and every other show that deals with the subject matter is, we found it, damn it. You know, like yeah. that's... And that's the starting point. Yeah. And poor Zachary Quinto, like the the tank girl lady at the end of the show, she was like, she had the craziest eyes I've seen on television uh -huh. in years. Like I was generally frightened by her. And when you get the sense that they tried real hard to pull back from ancient aliens and shows like this that start from a place of believing and they were mm -hmm. trying to be skeptical and these are the people that they're able to get. <laughs> yeah. You know, sort of a lost cause. So just forget about trying to like, you know, be a skeptical show. Just go whole hog into the craziness. Be a true believer show, even though it's totally ridiculous. Because at the end of the day, you're never going to prove or disprove anything with this sort of show. Right. So why not just make it entertaining? Search. Well, the biggest indictment of this show and it's like it's its own position in terms of credulity is that they could not even find an experiencer who could pass a polygraph, which all it's doing is measuring whether he believes himself. <laughs> like, I guess that's what that I had was... in my notes, too. Like if he has a traumatic brain injury slash actually believes this. Yeah. Foolishness. Then the polygraph is immaterial and, you know, not to be not to be whatever lie detection splaining mm -hmm. but there's kind of a kind of a range of not truthful right and we weren't given any of that and i don't know i just don't understand why this is yeah it's not fun it's not interesting it's not educational like it just doesn't it doesn't work on any level here's the yeah. show they should have made and i'm being absolutely serious about this it okay. is so like on paper if i told you they're redoing in search of, and they still got Spock. You're like, ah, ha, ha. But no, they really did. But here's what you do. You take this show. It's no longer a history show. It's the next in those, the greatest show in the history of the universe. Yes. Adam Scott, John Hamm things. <laughs> and it is in search of, except they blow through every single thing in search of has ever done in one episode. Like aliens are dealt with in 30 <laughs> seconds. Bigfoot, gotcha. Nessie, we're on it. Ogopogo, done. Vampires, ghosts, crop circles. Yeah. And Zachary Quinto is getting more and more exhausted as the whole thing goes on. And that's the show. Like, that's that's the show they should have made. Uh, the subject matter of this show, they can't turn back the clock. We've already passed into self parodying shows, and, and there's no returning from that for this sort of thing. No, and try right. as they might. They can't. I mean, honestly, if this show didn't get either of you, Sarah, with your In Search of Rewatch and Dave with your Ancient Aliens thing, like, this is officially for no one. Well, and that might be why. Like, yeah. I'm wondering how other people would feel about it if they hadn't sort of sat with the original. But the original is like something that I remember fondly from my childhood uh, that didn't age well. And yet that was the that was the entertaining part. Um 
P.S. Miss the then Mrs. Nimoy was the costume coordinator. <laughs> it's it's the recipe card of television. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Complete with that weird greenish yellow tinge yep. that makes everything look creepy. But yeah, the the old ones are on YouTube, and I think they might be on Prime now. So yeah, just watch those. But this is like, I, I don't think this would be for me, even if I hadn't marinated in the nemoisodes but Mm -hmm. yeah this is just like well-meaning but no they should have just not done it boo tara sarah listeners are you like me david t cole kind of lazy but determined to have it both ways looking out for the good things in life while not going out of your way then i got good (laughs) news for you It's Green Chef, the first USDA certified organic meal kit delivery service that includes everything you need to cook delicious gourmet meals that you can feel good about. Guys, let's talk about how easy this stuff is. Green Chef sends you food. That's a trip to the supermarket you don't have to make. Tara, I know you don't like driving. Sarah, you live in New York. What a hassle. No more supermarket trips. But guys, it's not just food. It's the thoughtful meal kit with everything you need measured out and ready to go. You know those measuring cups and tablespoons you have lying around? Well, melt them down for their gold because you won't need them anymore (laughs) with Green Chef. (laughs) Saving you even more time, the recipes. With minimal prep, these are quick and easy with step-by-step instructions, including photos. They're like words that you don't have to read. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Now let's get serious. Let's talk about the food, guys. Now, me and Tara, we ordered the vegetarian meal plan, but Green Chef offers a variety of options, including paleo, for the caveman in your life, vegan, keto, gluten-free, omnivore, and carnivore, and you can switch between all these plans whenever you want. That's every kind of food person you could be. This stuff is good. Our first delivery included sweet potato and mushroom tacos, mooey good, Mm-hmm. Collard wrapped enchiladas and our favorite, the Mediterranean veggie ball. Feta stuffed white bean and red pepper patties with chili breadcrumbs inside. Oh, so good. Oh, man. And this sits mm-hmm. on top of a bed of rainbow kiwa and with cucumbers and tomatoes and artichoke hearts tossed in a lemon herb vinaigrette. And did it come with olives? Yes. Yes, sir, it did. And did I gift these olives to Mr. Ampadopoulos down the street? You will bet I did because <laughs> me and olives are not in speaking terms. But that's okay because when you get something from Green Chef, everything comes in its own little package. And they're not contaminating other ingredients. Exactly. Like the raisins so treasured by this yeah. podcast and mm. David T. Cole. <laughs> the meal was light. It was refreshing. It was tasty. And I swear it looked like like a fancy restaurant dish. And that's something that I usually don't make for myself. When I make something for myself with Dave's skills, it's chili. Yep. And it looks like slop. (laughs) This was something that you usually have to go out and pay 20 bucks for. It was really, really good. So at this point in the day, I was feeling pretty smug about the whole thing, never leaving home. But then I remembered I'm making dinner with premium organic ingredients. And the smug train just never stopped. I'm telling you. (laughs) about Green Chef from the smug train. I'm on it right now. You can feel great about what you're eating and how it got to your table. Now, for $50 off your first box of Green Chef, go to greenchef.us slash extra hot. That's 
greenchef.us slash extra hot. That's one word for $50 off your first box. Bon appetit and thanks to Green Chef for sponsoring Extra Hot Great. Time to go around the dial. First stop, Tara Ariano. Well, speaking of things that are not for everybody, friends, I'm here to talk about Dr. Pimple Popper, which <laughs> is exactly what you think it is. Now, back in um, January, when we talked about Counterpart, Tim Ahalt was on and he mentioned this show. And I think at that point it was just a special. Uh, but now Dr. Pimple Popper is a series. Um, her name is not actually Dr. Pimple F. Popper. It's Dr. Sandra <laughs> Lee. Um, same name as Andrew Cuomo's girlfriend or wife or whatever from semi-homemade cooking, but it's not her. Uh, this one is a dermatologist. And in terms of like, for what we so. were... <laughs> a She's just a fan. No, she's a um, she, in LA, of course, where else? And so her, I guess, I gather that she got famous putting like videos online of her literally pumping pimples. And like, I know that that's a whole like fetish thing that people have. I don't yeah. seek out that stuff, but like for a show like this, yes, of course, I watched embarrassing bodies. I watched, you know, I have this enormous growth special, like the man with the 300 pound scrotum. Obviously I watched that. Like I've watched all of these shows. Of course, uh, this is for me. And um, just to answer what we were complaining about with the In Search of Reboot, it moves. There were four stories in an hour. Um, and it's like, it literally is just like, here's a person, here's their problem. They go to Dr. Sandra, she fixes them. And all of the problems. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They are not all pop related, but a lot of them are. And they, she starts off with a bang, not a pop, with um, this woman who has something I had never heard of before, which is a lipoma, which is a big growth of fat, essentially. And it's on her neck and it's been growing since 2015. And at this point, it is like, as I described it to Dave while we were watching it, this is like a cabbage patch kid of fat under her skin. To the point where like she can't wear, she has to wear hoodies all the time to like camouflage it. It's like a goiter. Like it's, it's almost the size of her head. It is so big. And so the unspoken story in all of these is like that, uh, which they don't say is like, these people don't have insurance, which is why they haven't had this dealt with. Although she says she went to a GP and the GP was like, I don't know. And the pa- she, then she went to a plastic surgeon and her excu- excuse officially for why she didn't do anything with it then was that she couldn't get the time off work. But then she goes to Dr. P- Sandra, who just like d- puts her under a local, which by the way, <laughs> if I am having a three pound lipoma removed from my neck, please knock me all the way out, please. And thank you. Cause gross. Um, but yeah, it's three pounds of fat. They take it off her. They sew her back up. She's totally fine in a day. Sorry, not to interrupt, but not only please. put you under for the pain, but also for the sound. Yeah. Yes. The sound is really wrong. And she keeps like she's clearly uncomfortable because even if like they've numbed her so that like whatever they're cutting, she can't feel that she can still feel like the skin around it. It's sort of like when like, you know, they 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 give you a shot at the dentist, but that it still hurts. Like whatever they're doing, it's still uncomfortable and weird. Anyway, uh, next guy had a huge cyst on his forehead that like his all his buddies at work were making fun of. Then there was a guy who had like boils and then there was a woman who had keloids 
And I only knew about those from uh, from embarrassing bodies. But apparently it's that like anytime your skin suffers any trauma, it causes like huge bulbous scars and removing them just makes more scars. So it's like you have to try to only resect the scar part. It looked like she had little tomatoes to growing off her ears. They were the size of grapes yeah. and they were on both of her earlobes because yeah. they had happened when she got her ears pierced. And so like anytime she got them removed, they just grew back and like she would have a headband over her earlobes because. Oh, man. I'm not going to lie, guys, this show is rough. <laughs> like there are definitely so people because I was tweeting <laughs> about it and people were like, I got 15 seconds into it. I'm not kidding. Like, absolutely. It is not for everyone. But if you have like a fascination with this kind of stuff, it is it's at the top of the genre. Like I miss embarrassing bodies every day, but this is an excellent substitute. And if you're fascinated by the horrible ways the human body can betray you and <laughs> want to. Not think about the fact that all of these people probably couldn't got, could have gotten these issues dealt with a long time before they got to this crisis point. If this country had reasonable health insurance, which it doesn't, um, then this is uh, this isn't very entertaining slash horrifying way to spend an hour. Doctor Pimple Popper, Wednesday nights on TLC. You are welcome, Dave. You this is not your jam, but you were present in the room. How much of this would you say you paid attention to? Oh God, I, it was hard to watch. Like when that first one you're talking about, where she had the big gooey ball next to her neck. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. like when they took it out, it looked like they were like it looked like chicken breasts and like a foam container yeah. that you would yeah. get at like Safeway or something like that. Like it was just uh, really uh, um there and in your face and and, yeah. and gross and squishy. That's what I was saying about the sound. Like the, you you don't like the visuals are one thing, but you got to remember like all this is happening right next to your ear. Like all yeah. these people had stuff that was like on their neck or head or face or nearby and. Oh, yeah. just the sound effects are. Ugh. Yeah, no one was knocked out. The second guy who had the cyst on his forehead, she was like, "Yeah, it's coming out. It's coming out like mashed potatoes." So, yeah, sorry, oh. but she was right. It was. It's disgusting. Um, speaking of no, no segue. Uh, for my plug, <laughs> <laughs> just remind you that I'm doing epic old school recaps of Claws, and those are at previously TV, and also coming soon. Better call Saul. So look out for those. But for now, just Claws. So, uh. Check them out. Sarah Debunting, please take us away from pimple popping. Uh, okay. Um, well, I'm going to talk about Robin Williams' Come Inside My Mind, which uh, actually sort of uh, is also. Uh, 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 that's my Robin Williams impression. Hope you enjoy it. Oh, okay. That was bad. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Are, are you done? Let's check. Pimple. Oh. Okay, stop. Let's, let's air <laughs> I could do it all day. So, yeah, talk about the ways that the human body can betray one. Um, this uh, documentary aired on HBO as we're recording this yesterday, so it should be on HBO Go by now. It was directed by Marina Zenovich, who also directed the two Roman Polanski-related documentaries for HBO that I liked a lot or found thought-provoking. I guess liking a documentary about yeah. Roman Polanski is not so much the right word um i learned some things let's leave it there uh some of the robin williams one is pretty expected there's like one particular plinky soundtrack cue when he's um when they're talking about his um like childhood and high school days that you'll feel like you've heard before i'm pretty sure i found it like in garage band today while i was editing (laughs) something else like oh i don't know guys um and zenovich opted mostly to go with like found words, I guess, um, like voiceovers from 
Robin Williams himself, like outtakes, his talk show spots, like roles of his and stuff like that. But then she does mix in talking heads with some family members and with his first wife and with Billy Crystal. And I kind of feel that maybe doing it just the first way would have been more effective. That or a more traditional immersion in his career, a la the Gary Shandling documentary that I talked about uh, several episodes ago, which makes an interesting contrast with this. It is better than this one um, because I think it let it has like a new angle on it on this kind of material by mixing in traditional documentary elements, but also using Gary Shandling's diaries and stuff like that. So if you liked Williams's work, you should watch this. And if you wanted confirmation that he literally needed on this endorphin basis to be performing every second, um, and that the sort of takeover of his talent and personality by this dementia probably left him too depressed to go on like you'll you'll get that but i would have liked more of a focus on his acting work um yakov the liar is presented with no like mediation or commentary on how disastrous it was that's sort of weird <laughs> yeah um i think this is either i think this just might be too short um i think the director could have spent a little more time with certain aspects of his, of the middle of his career. And, you know, nobody quote wants to seem like they're dwelling on what happened at the end of his life. But uh, I think a lot of people will be watching come inside my mind because they're expecting to do that, to go inside his mind and try to get their arms around uh, his death and what it was like to be him. And then that feeling of that he must have had of not being himself enough anymore. And I'm not sure if it's possible to do that, but that like the end of his life and the end of the movie haunts the whole rest of it. And then she never quite engages with it. So mm -hmm. it's entertaining enough, but it's ultimately kind of unsatisfying which maybe that's just going to be the nature of, of that story and, um, and his illness at the end. So uh, if anyone else has watched it or is, or watches it in the future, let me know what you guys think. I'm on Twitter at tomato nation. Uh, my plug, I will be joining Tara for the better call Saul recaps. Uh, and I'm also relaunching the blotter. We're going to have a little mini episode uh, as you're listening to this. It should be, in your podcast feed, you may have to unsubscribe and then resubscribe just to like get it to take in your podcast app. So if you're not seeing it, try that. And uh, yeah, we'll be uh, starting a little book club Ooh. soon. So check it out. Uh, Twitter and Facebook both remain the same. That's at Blotter Presents. All right. So in search of reminded me that I haven't talked about ancient aliens in a long time. Ancient Aliens, the show where the Twitter feeds bio says, yep, it was the aliens. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tara, quick pop quiz. Who were they? Aliens. Why did they come? Gold. What did they leave behind? Us. Where did they go? They're still here. Will they return? 
I just said they're still here. Five for five. I can do this, by the way, because I fall asleep to it a lot when Dave's watching it. I can do this based on the music cues alone without with my eyes. I can answer the question. These are the questions presented by the Ancient Aliens opening credits. Oh, my God. (laughs) Future game time. So I just wanted to sort of like try to sell you a little bit more on the stupidity and excellent entertainment value of Ancient Aliens. Now in its 13th season, it's in the middle of its 13th season right now. So I just want to run down what I think are the strangest, dumbest episodes in chronological order. I picked 10 of them. I'm just going to read the titles and give a quick synopsis just so you can get a flavor of how excellent ancient aliens is. Number one, (laughs) aliens in the old West, aliens and cowboys. How did they coexist? Number two, aliens in evil places. And the episode is basically just like, you know, the suicide forest in Japan is really creepy. Maybe it has something to do with aliens. Number three, aliens and the founding fathers. Was America founded by aliens or with the help of aliens? Number four, aliens and Bigfoot. And also in the same episode, they mentioned that Goliath was probably an alien because he was so big. I have seen that one. Oh, wow. Number five, aliens and dinosaurs. Dinosaurs were killed off by (laughs) aliens to make way for man. Yep. Episode six, the Einstein factor. Smart people are too smart and therefore are aliens. <laughs> later revisited a few seasons later in the Tesla experiment or something like oh, that. Oh, sure. Number seven, the power of three. Lots of cultures use three. Three is probably from aliens. Number eight, mm. aliens in America, including an alien who was kicked out of the Eisenhower administration. <laughs> Number nine, the great flood caused by, you guessed it, aliens. And number 10, and probably my favorite, just oh, what? God. aliens and the Civil War. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, if they were around with the founding fathers, it stands to reason that they stayed and were. Where was Ken Burns on that I, one? Having watched the Ken Burns Civil War a number of times, <laughs> like Alexander Stevens was an alien. <laughs> Google it, people. The dude looked like an alien. I'll, I'll leave you with a bonus episode, which is from about a season later, and it's called Pyramids of Antarctica. And the whole episode is predicated on one photo where there's sort of like just the shadow of some ice thing coming out of the ground was just like really well defined. And from above, it looked like a pyramid. And they just said, what if there's other pyramids in Antarctica? There are none. Like there's not even like a hint of anything. But they milked a whole hour out of this one photo of a pyramid (laughs) iceberg somewhere off antarctica ancient aliens i swear to god if you're not watching it you're doing something wrong with your life it is the dumbest best show on television of all time All right, it is time for the canon, and it is a user submission from Liz. It is also quite a long one with all the clips and everything, so settle in, grab a cup of cocoa. Here we go. Greetings, Extra Hot Great Panel. I'm Liz, and I'm taking a chance. I'm attempting to huck another sitcom over the Buncey transom and whatever Dave's aversion (laughs) to sitcoms is called, and nominate Frasier's Season 4, Episode 18, Ham Radio, for the canon. I love Frasier. I watched it when it was first on, but after a bad breakup a few years ago, I filled weeks of alone time with a run through the entire series. I couldn't believe how well it had aged and how it managed to make jokes about art, theater, opera, and psychiatry that you didn't have to completely understand to find funny. That's not an easy line to walk, and the show walked it every single episode. 
Frasier did a lot of things well, but the one thing it did better than almost any other show is farce. The writers love nothing more than to throw a party or toss someone in front of an audience and have everything slowly go wrong in the most embarrassing way possible. And Ham Radio is one of the best farces Frasier ever put together. Ham Radio has one storyline, and the show wastes no time getting to it. Frasier is directing a live radio play called Nightmarian to commemorate the radio station's 50th anniversary, and he shares the news with Niles and his father at the coffee shop. Of course, Niles has something to say about it, because no one has better insight into Frasier's ego than his younger brother and fellow psychiatrist. He knows from experience that Frasier's constant directorial critiquing will drive everyone insane. You have an Orson Welles complex. By the end of this week, you'll not only be directing, you'll have rewritten the script and be playing the lead. I have no intention of performing in it myself. The only rewriting I've done is simply cutting to get it down to 30 minutes. Frasier Crane's Nightmare In. It's just a working title. Niles knows his brother so, so well. We then go to Frasier ending his radio show with a plug for Nightmare In, which he is nerdily overexcited about, though he's yet to find a leading man. Roz suggests that he could do it, which Frasier brushes off in a way that suggests that he has already considered it and wants to do it very badly, but needs to find a way to take the part without looking like a greedy, self-centered tryhard. Good luck, Frasier. Before Frasier can leave his studio, Gil Chesterton, the perennially in the closet food critic, comes through the door to discuss his part in the play. He wants to play the British gamekeeper, but Frasier suggests disgraced Navy pilot Nigel Fairservice instead. I'll take it. After all, Nigel does have that divine speech in the second act about his boyhood in Surrey, romping with his school chums in the fens and spinnies when the twilight bathed the hedgerows like a lambent flame. <laughs> Atcher had rather a long peek at the script. Frasier had a strong, supporting, and recurring cast, and this episode uses many of them really well. The way Gill sinks his teeth into that memorized monologue fragment is glorious. Rumping through the fins and... <laughs> yeah. There are still a ton of small roles to cast in Nightmare Inn, but Fraser has a solution. A colleague at the station is married to a professional voice actor, and he's agreed to do it. Fraser even gets his co-worker, Bulldog Briscoe, and his stripper girlfriend to play parts. But none of this gets Fraser a lead. He hasn't found anyone who can play a whiny old Scotland Yard inspector. He knows what he has to do. No, you may be right, Ross. I have to bite the bullet, take on the part myself. Excuse me, Dr. Crane. Is it too late to read for the role of the inspector? I'm afraid the part has already been cast. <laughs> the dude had a Sherlock Holmes pipe in his hand. But <laughs> Fraser wasn't about to let go of what he wanted in the first place. Not just to be in total control of the play, but to have everyone pay attention to him and laud his brilliance and genius. The screen fades to black and we get our first and only title card of the episode, Ham Radio. Daphne answers the door at Fraser's apartment and Bulldog and Gil come in for rehearsal. Mel, the professional actor, is there and ready to play six characters with six accents. Gil is upset about what Fraser's had to cut to get the play down to 30 minutes, but the boyhood in Surrey's speech remains, so he'll still be able to romp through the fens and spinnies with his school chums and yeah. Daphne is on hand to time the play and announce the sound effects and could do without Fraser treating her like a phoebe, which he is incapable of doing. The rehearsal finally gets underway, and the show proves that sometimes the best jokes are the easiest ones. Please introduce me to your guests. This is the silk merchant, Mr. Wang. <laughs> Stop the one. What's your problem? Wang? <laughs> you got 
me another name. I'll crack up every time I hear that. All right. All right. How about Wing? All right, that's a great old Chinese name. All right, everybody change Wang to Wing in your scripts. Sound of people changing Wangs to Wings. Daphne doesn't get much to do in this episode, but her stage directions in this scene really make up for it. After Bulldog offends everyone with his horrific fake Chinese accent, Fraser's ego starts to make an appearance. He criticizes Mel's German accent for being too Austrian, and that's just the beginning. After four run-throughs and endless needling from Fraser, Mel is done. He quits and storms out, leaving Fraser with a lot of roles to fill. So Fraser decides to trick Niles into doing it. He doesn't tell Niles how many parts he'll be playing, and then doesn't get in the script before he comes to the station for the actual broadcast. If he knew, Niles wouldn't do it. And can you blame him? <laughs> At the station for the broadcast, Niles arrives and tries to get Fraser to tell him more about what he thinks is his one part. But Fraser distracts him with a demonstration of the sound effects until Bulldog and his girlfriend Maxine arrive. Maxine needs a place to work on her one line because she's dyslexic, and Bulldog actually has butterflies because he's not used to playing anyone besides himself on the radio. Then Roz comes bursting into the studio with a terrible-slash-hilarious announcement. She's been in the dentist chair for two hours, and she's had a lot of Novocaine. But there's just 60 seconds until the play starts, and so there's nothing Fraser can do. Roz will have to go on, sleepy mouth and all. The play gets underway, and Roz's limitations are apparent from the get-go. Door was answered by Miss Carlotta Thorndyke. Her face was unfamiliar, and when she opened her lips, I caught a hint of some exotic accent. In fact, Al... <laughs> Thank God you call. This is a grisly business, Miss Thorndyke. I can't believe any of my guests could be a mobable murderer. <laughs> After mobable murderer, Fraser changes the script so Roz doesn't have to introduce the guests one by one and names them all himself. <laughs> when Bulldog's up as Mr. Wing, he's so nervous that he can't speak. Fraser has to improvise, and this is when the sound effects station really starts to pay off. Fraser leaps across the room to use a bell so the silent Mr. Wing can communicate through rings. After Gil's character is introduced, Niles finally realizes the true gravity of the situation. Watching him figure out what accent to use for each of these characters is unfortunately something that can't be fully captured on audio. After each one, Niles makes a series of struggle faces into the microphone as he gets angrier and angrier. AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. 
but the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film, and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now. ...at Fraser for never telling him the number of roles or accents involved. During a commercial, Niles tries to yell at Fraser for deceiving him, but Fraser responds by trying to direct Niles, which just isn't happening. To save more time, Fraser has to cut something, and that something is Gil's beloved boyhood in Surrey speech, where he romped with his, well, you know by now. Gil is devastated, but Fraser does not care. He's fixing problems on the fly now. He handles a tragic music miscule from Noel. By the way, the sound effects jokes in this episode are so much fun. And he even manages to smooth over dyslexic Maxine, misreading her line as, Look out! He's got a nug! The gun in the play shoots Gil's character, but he can't bear his death speech being cut. So he and Fraser have it out right on the air, courtesy of the gunshot balloons. When the lights came back up, a smoking gun lay on the table. The maid lay dead. Unable to name her killer. And Nigel Fairservice lay mortally wounded. I'm dying. Poor man was gone. Never again to revisit the scene of my boyhood in Surrey. <laughs> Rumping with my school chums and the fins and spinnies. Just then, the lights went out again. Nigel Fairservice was shot again. <laughs> Only graze me. <laughs> the twilight bathed the hedgerows like a lambert... The final bullet blew his head clean off his shoulders. <laughs> All right, people, let's try to keep calm, although it's hard when the killer is among us. Hi-ho, I'm Lido's brother, Cedric. We haven't seen him since our boyhood, which one? <laughs> and so died the last surviving member of the first of his family. Indignant, angry, impotently vengeful Fraser is the best Fraser. So despite Roz's lisp, Bulldog's nerves, Maxine's dyslexia, and the Gil Chesterton bloodbath, Fraser still can't stop directing. Niles acts out the big reveal of the play, and Fraser starts pantomiming notes to him. And Niles has finally had enough of it. Mother and I moved here when I was a small boy after the tragic death of my father. I kept the pain of that loss buried deep within me like a serpent coiled within a damp cave. Okay, that's it. Never mind all that. I'm just going to take this gun off the table. Sorry about that, O'Toole. I guess we'll never hear your fascinating piece of the puzzle. Or yours, Cragen and Peppo. Could the McAllister sisters stand back to back? I'm short on bullets. Thank you. What's your name again, dear? Thorndike. Thank you. <laughs> ah, and also Mr. Wing. <laughs> and of course, one final bullet for myself. <laughs> <laughs> 
So the mystery will die with me. <sighs> with everyone dead, the play is essentially over. Fraser reads the ending only to find out that he has nine minutes left to kill, and his cast leaves him alone to bluster on the air and fill the time all by himself. This is just a great 22 minutes of television. There are no wasted scenes or wasted jokes. The best sitcom episodes are all killer, no filler, and that's what this is. The cold open sets the scene, and then we're off to the races. The whole episode is pure, undiluted Fraser, just the man and his ego. His reach constantly exceeds his grasp, and it's never worse than when he's in charge of something. Give Fraser a little bit of power, and he instantly turns into an insufferable asshat, a <laughs> gloating windbag who always knows what's best and doesn't care about other people as long as he's getting what he wants. In Fraser's world of wine clubs and theater fundraisers and art museum soirees, seeing him cause his own failure time and time again was satisfying because the stakes were so low yet so high. It was hard to pick a single Fraser episode, but this one elegantly demonstrates <clears throat> excuse me, what made the show work so well for so long. The, the storytelling is on point, the cast is note perfect, and the interplay between Fraser and Niles is crackling. Kelsey Grammer and David Hyde Pierce were just so good opposite each other. Most of the show's greatest episodes feature the two of them in cahoots or at loggerheads, and this one is no exception. The only thing really missing from this episode was Marty. John Mahoney is, or was, a talented and understated actor who played Fraser and Niles' constantly frustrated and gruffly affectionate father. His work in this episode is limited. I personally always thought that a little Marty went a long way, but his moments are great. He gets in a few good jabs at the beginning, and his reactions at home with Daphne are interspersed throughout the play's broadcast, showing you how actual people in this world might react to hearing that disaster play out on the radio. Ham Radio isn't just one of the best episodes of Frasier, but it's one of the best sitcom episodes of all time. So I implore you, EHG Canon deciders, to vote yes on Ham Radio and enshrine Frasier into the canon of the universe's greatest TV episodes. Uh, Niles at the end there with the balloons killing off all the characters, <laughs> that was me at the beginning <laughs> of this episode. Uh, while we were having technical problems and I could not figure it out for like 20 minutes. I was so angry. <laughs> uh, I'll go first. I can't believe that we haven't had a Fraser submission yet, but this was an amazing choice for all the reasons that Liz says in her spectacular presentation. Uh, it, um, it, it. Uh, I prefer. She's right that the episodes are either Fraser and Niles in cahoots or in conflict, and I love it when Niles just gets sick of Fraser shit <laughs> because. <laughs> It doesn't happen enough. I mean, it, it does. It, it's it's she's right. It's like half the show, but it's it still doesn't feel like enough because Frasier is such a blowhard and such a great sitcom character for that reason. Um, this is the exact ridiculous activity you would expect Frasier to engage in. And even before we get the backstory of Frasier's history of not being able to turn off as a director, we could have guessed that's what he would be like. And um, even though there's so much, uh, so many guest performers um, in the actual show, all of this rests on what we know about these characters. And this is, you know, toward the end of the fourth season, they've obviously been doing this a while. They know each other so well. I mean, just what what um, Jane Leaves can get across with just a glare is <laughs> is poetry. Um, this was a wonderful presentation. Such a great farce episode. Um the, the Niles run at the end is an all-timer. So great presentation. Excellent choice. Thank you for bringing it to us. 
Sarah. Um, this combines three of uh, my favorite pop cultural things. Uh, number one, it reminded me of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt's Daddy's Boy, uh, particularly Nigel Fairservice. Um, second of all, Noises Off, one of my favorite movies. Uh, and this manages to compress all of that like farce setup and execution into like a quarter of the time, which is really amazing. And third of all, processy shit. Does Buncey want her own sound effects kit? Yes, she does. <laughs> um, this was so funny. And even though I just like prepped it yesterday, it like hearing it again is just so funny. And uh, David Hyde Pierce's delivery, like his fed up. Um, thank you, pop. Uh, just <laughs> perfectly timed. You do wonder how many times they had to do that to do it to get through it without laughing themselves i mean i know these are pros but like you just wonder how many balloons they went through and also when he has to do a pep pepo yes (laughs) he like crouches down to sound shorter (laughs) and then he just like grabs a balloon off the helium tank to do that voice in a helium voice it's so good like there's so many little things and even the bits that are predictable are like turned like an ankle flawlessly so Mm -hmm. uh this is excellent uh guessing for sure because this is absolutely the kind of uh the kind of like farcy slapsticky thing that i enjoy um and uh in short i need to go and build my own sound effects kit because (laughs) that is cool (laughs) like gravel box and then he's like like when he demonstrates all the things and that's classic farce setup but it's done so efficiently that you're just like wow like that's amazing that they get all this done and then they just you know blow it out to its logical collapse conclusion in 22 minutes that's really quite something and uh yeah i'm convinced dave um i think this episode kind of reminds me a bit of the three's company episode that we put into mm-hmm. the to the canon very uh-huh. kinetic and energetic and and all that the one where jack tripper gets a uh, high on tranquilizer yes i wasn't a big fan of fraser when it was first on probably because i was in university i'm guessing yeah and just had other and, shit to and do. after and um so you know these days i'll watch some watch some episodes on tv and it's all new to me and I don't remember this episode at all before watching it, and I was really delighted. I never really associated Frasier with farce of this level. Oh, and- yeah. There's a lot of great episodes. There's one where, like, people are mismatched at a ski lodge that, that is on my list of potential yeah. submissions for the future, and one where they try to open a restaurant. I mean, I knew it got restaurant. stupid at times, you know, and zany, and I mean, stupid in a good way. Um, oh no! This is like definitely a hallmark of the show. For me. Yeah, and, and and so yeah, I was very very pleasantly surprised by how, how silly and 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 like boom 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 like just how 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 quickly everything came at you was was very mm-hmm. impressive. You know, it was like going to like some small off Broadway theater to see you know something like that. You know what I mean? It had that kind of rhythm to it. Yeah. Um, now, what do we think of Bulldog's Chinese stuff? Uh, doing the accent and all that. Like, there's, like, sort of a continuum, a spectrum in the comedy world where something goes from a thing you make fun of directly to a thing you make fun of but acknowledge you shouldn't be making fun of to slowly it is no longer part of your repertoire, right? It's third rail. Yeah. 
this, I mean, this is obviously the middle because he does the accent and then Roz is like Chinese yeah. embassy on line one. Like they it's it's clearly at the, the tail end of when it was like maybe permissible to get away with it. But, yeah, it's, you know, it's problematic. Yeah, right. Forgiveness, please. Contrast that with Kimmy Schmidt, the Nonak episode I did, which is from like two years ago versus this one, which is like 15 years ago. You know, Right. Yeah. No, I was I, I was just like it just feels like they were like a year or two away from like maybe not making yes. that call, you know, but yes. you can even see the evolution on Frasier of like what sorts of gay jokes they'll do at yeah. the beginning of it. Well, that was my versus next point. at the end. Yeah. And they definitely had like lots of queer writers like, you know, even the like if I don't want to be a Frasier apologist, it doesn't need me to do that, but like you know, the gay writers could do different kinds of gay jokes in the early 90s versus like toward the end of the series run in the 2000s. I mean, same thing with Will and Grace, even like there were gay jokes that they did then, you know, early on that they wouldn't do, you know, now. But whatever. right. You can. I, my point is, you can see the evolution of like how those how those area, those subject areas change in their treatment from the beginning to the end. Well, yeah. And and it's not that long ago either. I mean, that that's, that's a surprising right. thing to look back on this episode. I don't know what year this was. Do you, did you guys check? I'll look it up. Um, 1997. So 21 years. Oh shit. Really? Oof. Yeah. Okay. 20 years. Um, okay. That's kind of a long time. So I can, I can kind of see that. Um, the world has for sure changed. In absolutely. Years. Yeah. And, and so, so that was one of the things that kind of took me back, but that aside, this episode is so fun. Mm-hmm. And so silly and so goofy in a way that was unexpected to me. And I really just enjoyed it. It really seemed very intimate and played the characters that were in recording room off each other in a very uh, satisfying way. I, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. The other thing I would just add is like, as I said this, you know, in, in my initial comments that it's, you can tell this is the cast really knowing each other and the audience knowing the cast, but it's also clearly like the writers knowing the cast too. And like how much all of those can play off each other and, you know, the fun of having a live audience to, to react to it. Like, it's just, it's, it's so, it's so fun from top to bottom. And like, Kelsey Grammer is a really great angry man. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He's, he's yeah. a good splutterer for sure. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it when he's like getting really heated there, you know, and he in, in suddenly you can hear the the sideshow Bob in him. It's, it's, it's <laughs> um, yeah, I enjoyed it a yeah. lot. Uh, thank you, yep. Liz. All right, let's put this to a vote. Sarah D. Bunting, absolutely yes. All right, Ariana, me too. Yeah, I'm gonna vote yes as well. That means Frasier season four, episode eighteen, Ham Radio. You are hereby inducted into the extra. Ah, great cannon. Americans love a winner. Yeah. And will not tolerate a loser. Nope. It's time for the winner and the loser of the week. Tara has the winner. Well, the Emmy nominations were announced last week. Obviously, we are not going to go through all of them. But I will just highlight one, which is Chrissy Teigen's husband. I think his name is John Legend. Just kidding. I know that's his name. Um, he was nominated for his role in the uh, Jesus Christ Superstar live TV presentation from uh, earlier this year. And if he wins, that will complete his EGOT, which is fun. Good for him. Uh, good luck to him. You know what they should have done? And I'm totally serious about this. They should have rerun that three days after the original airing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the loser of the week? Uh, I have our loser. It's unreal. Uh, Not everyone may agree uh, with this assessment. I look forward to hearing from you guys. But uh, the new slash final season 
dropped in its entirety on Hulu uh, a couple days ago as you're listening to this. Um, speculation that this was a summer burn-off move uh, was borne out as far as I'm concerned by I've now watched the first three and I don't I don't get at it. Like, but I just have whiplash as far as who is on whose side and what Rachel is even doing. We watched the first episode and I, I felt like we missed like a big storyline in between seasons. Yeah. yeah. Like, like there was I don't... a sea change for some of these characters that was like, what happened? Like, and they didn't go back and hint at an explanation yet in the first episode, which probably was a mistake. I just felt like we got dropped into something accidentally. Well, mm-hmm. we're no closer to figuring it out three okay. episodes in. Um, and they, like the last couple of seasons... The first season was great. The second and third seasons were like, you know, they could be really all over the place, but what made up for those inconsistencies in like motivation and um, believability were the sort of behind the scenes parts based on like Bachelor Nation and stuff like that, where you really felt like you were getting some insight into shows like this. And even those aren't holding together and the show doesn't seem to care about them anymore and like i'm glad jeremy is staying gone but who knows how long that's gonna be true yeah like no spoilers but it's like i don't have the kind of characters i hate luck where guys (laughs) like that stay out of my face so this just feels like hung over and disorganized and doesn't seem to understand what it's good at and so i guess it's good that it's ending because it's like it's like the stories that you would make up when you were a kid and then at the like you get bored of it. So you're like, and then everyone died and you went to do something else. Yeah. This you is fly that. Now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unreal and The Handmaid's Tale, which we just finished watching season two of this past <gasps> season, I'm going to say, are the two great should have only been a season shows yeah. of our time. You want to hear an epic make your own story and then change it the last minute uh, story from my childhood? Yes. So we're playing yes. Star Wars action figures and you're playing sort of loosely playing the Empire Strikes Back and Han Solo is put into the carbonite and then he's taken away by Boba Fett. But then he pops out of the carbonite inside of the Slave One just before he gets taken away from Bestman because Han Solo put a doorknob inside of <laughs> the carbonite case and was able to open it. <laughs> huh? Oh, sure. That's a David T. Cole original. Well, Ryan Johnson. Well done. Thank you. Uh, speaking about David T. Cole originals. Do you know what time it is? Game time? Yeah, game, game time. Also, not from me. Not really. <laughs> Ancient alien experts say, whoops. It's ancient astronaut theorists. Yeah. Your story right. We are playing a non-regulation game time due to the exit of our uh, guest this week. Um, our game today... Uh, is called All in the Family, and it is from Mr. Dan Casino. I don't know where my sound effect went. Uh, <laughs> in All in the Family, you'll be asked to identify a TV show based on the first names of a family featured on the show. I'll read the names. If you can name the show, you get two points. You'll get an additional point if you can give me the last name of the characters listed, so the family name. Oh, okay. All right. If you yep. need help, I'll give you the last name, but then the correct answer is worth only one point. So to review, three points if you run the board, 
two points if you only give me the show, one point if you need a hint, and then you tell me the show after. All right. Got it. Got it. For instance, if I gave you the names Monica, Jack, Judy, and Ross, you would know that I was talking about the show Friends. Yep. If you gave me the uh, name of the show at the top, and you also told me the family name was Geller, you would have three points. All right. Yep. Dan Casino wants you to know, be aware we're using the real names of characters, even when a nickname might be better known. And in at least one case, we're using a character's assumed name rather than a real name. Okay. Mm, number of names listed can be a clue to the show, and notable names are often left off. Oh, he has given you tricky. additional hints for the tougher questions, so be on the uh, ear out for those. <laughs> uh, I assume we're not going to use steel meals today, because why would you? Right. So let's throw it to Pinky to see who's going to go first. Oops, you didn't win. We will start with Sarah. All right, so our order is Sarah, then Tara. Are we ready to play All in the Family? Yes. Yes. All right. Sarah D. Bunting. We're starting off nine questions in each decade. We're going in chronological order. So 50s and 60s is our first chunk. Your family members are Rob, Laura, Richie, Clara, and Stacy. What's the show? What's the family? Um, I think that's the Dick Van Dyke show, and the family is the Petries? Petries? Yeah. Petries, Petries, I'm not sure. Tara Ariano. John. Yes, sir. Maureen, Judy, and Will. I believe these are the Robinsons of Last in Space. That's good for three. Back to Sarah. Barnabas, Elizabeth, Roger, and Quentin. Dark Shadows? I don't. I don't actually know the family's name. I just knew there was a Barnabas. Barnabas Collins. Barnabas. Ah. But that's two points, right? That's two points. Yes. Okay, got it. Back to Tara. Yep. Ben, Joseph, Eric, and Adam. Uh, I think the family name is the Cartwrights, and I forget which. <laughs> I'm gonna guess. Bonanza. Yeah. Three Indians last year. <laughs> Theodore, Ward, June, and Wally. Uh, that's the Cleavers on Leave It to Beaver. You said Cleavers, right? I yeah, did. Okay. What did you think I said? The Beavers. <laughs> no, 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 she said Cleavers. Beaver, Beaver. Samantha, Cleavers. Darren, yes. Tabitha, and Adam. Um, That's Bewitched. And... The family name is Stevens. Nice. I never would have gotten that. Father Steve. There's one of those clues. Father Steve and sons Chip, Robbie, and Mike. My three sons. Now before Douglas? you answer, you have a personal connection to this. Uh, it's Douglas, right? Yeah, okay, there you go. Okay. <laughs> you were named after all of them. I, know. I, I was. <clears throat> All right, Ariano, Ruth, yes. Paul, Uncle Petrie, or Petri, mm-hmm. and son Timmy. Ruth was the first name? Ruth, yes. Okay, hint. Uh, the family name is Martin. Uh, All my children? Mm. 
The show is Lassie. Lassie. Oh. Okay. All right. Last question in this decade's chunk. Thank God. Jeff, Alex, Mary, Trisha, and Mother Donna. Father knows best. And Mother Donna. Mm. That is the Donna Reed show. Oh. Uh. All right. Now we're into the 1970s, Tara. Okay. Laura, Charles, Carolyn, and Mary. Oh, that's the Ingalls family of Little House on the Prairie. Tom, Mary, Elizabeth, Susan, Nicholas, Joanne, David, Nancy, Tommy, and Abby. That is one white-sounding family. (laughs) (laughs) Eight is enough. Good for two. Do you know the family name? No. No. Van Dyke. Bradford. The Bradfords. Ah! Roger, D, Mabel, and Bill. So he says to Mabel, I says. <laughs> I think that's what's happening. Okay. I don't know their name. The Thomas family. Okay. Bobby, Sue Ellen, John, and Jock. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that is the Ewings of Dallas. It's good for three. Howard, Marion, Chuck, and Joni. Those are the Cunninghams of Happy Days. That's also good for three. Michael, Thelma, Florida, and JJ. I know might. Ain't you glad you got this question? Uh, what's happening? Mm. <laughs> That's- Good times. Uh, That's the Evans, the Evans family. Bob, Emily, Ellen, and Martha. Mm, oh, is this the Bob Newhart show? Yes, it is. Nice. Do you have any okay. idea of the family? And his name was, ooh, I don't know. I don't know. It's Hartley, Hartley. Mm, but good oh, pull sure, on the show. Good pull on the show. Number 17. Ready to go. Frank, Edna, and... Laverne. Uh, I'm sorry. Can you read those again? Frank, Edna, Laverne. Hint. DeFazio. Laverne and Shirley. That's good for one point. One point. All right. Bring us into the uh, first score break. Archibald, (laughs) Edith, and Gloria. These are the bunkers of All in the Family. You are correct. All right, score break, please. Very close game. Uh, I have 22 points. Sarah has 17. All right. Sarah has spread eagle points. Still lots of game to go. We are only in the 1980s now. We are at question 19. Starting us off in the 1980s, Blake, Bristol with a K, Alexis, Adam, and Stephen. Oh, this should uh, really be in the uh, equalizer section, but this is the Carringtons <laughs> of Dynasty. It really should. Uh, <laughs> I'm skipping the equalizer since it's not a big Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. Father Harry, daughters Carol, Barbara, and Emily. Mm. We're into the 80s now? We're into the 1980s. Okay, Shows say that, that again. Sorry, Harry. Harry. And the girls are? The father is Harry. The daughters are Carol, Barbara, and Emily. Uh, oh, 
Oh, wait. No, I, don't, I thought it was too... Uh, you want to hint? For comfort, but yeah, sure. Weston, like the oil. <laughs> no. Whoops. <laughs> no. <laughs> you are correct. You are correct insofar that you knew you didn't know it. That was yes. Empty Nest. Oh, yeah. No. All right. Jamie, Sarah, Adam, Walter, and Ellen. Jamie, Sarah, Adam, Walter, and Ellen. Uh, hint. Powell. Powell. Family? The family is Powell. Yeah. No, I know. Oh, the there show, was a show family? called show family. family. Is that a show? Family? Yeah. Apparently it's wrong. <laughs> Guess what? It's not that. That is Charles in charge. All right. Uh, uh. <laughs> Tara Ariano, Kevin, Jack, Norma, and Wayne. These are the Arnolds of the Wonder Years. Kelly, Peggy, Bud, and Al. Uh, That is the Bundys of Married with Children. Yes, started in the 80s, 87. Correct for three points. Suzanne, Julia, and Allison. The Sugar Bakers of Designing Women. Dorothy. Stan, Michael, and Kate. <laughs> uh, is that these Bornax of the Golden Girls? It is. Elliot, Nancy, Ethan, and Brittany. With two T's. Hint. Ooh, Hint, please. It's, it's another Weston family. God, really? Yep. Uh, oh, uh, shit. St. Elsewhere? 30-something. 30-something is correct, yes. Carl, Laura, Eddie, Harriet, and Judy. Harriet? Hint. Winslow. Carl Winslow. Of the intercourse Winslows? I have no idea. Benson. Mm. Family matters. Family matters. Guys, we're into the 1990s. Oh, phew. Tara. Yeah. Abby, Elizabeth, Ellie, Zoe, and baby Gus. Uh, Abby, these... Elizabeth, okay. Ellie, Zoe, and baby Gus. Are these the Bartlets of the West Wing? They indeed are. Philip, Ashley, Hillary, and Vivian. Ashley. Philip, Ashley. Hillary, Vivian. I need a hint. Banks. He really left out the ones that would have made you get that one. Dan! Not the TV show of Tony Banks, keyboardist for Genesis, if that's what you're thinking. <laughs> Damn it. Um, uh, I don't know. Ellie McBeal. I don't know. Carlton? Oh, Carlton. Sure. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Joyce, Hank, Dawn. Uh, uh, hint. Summers. Oh, Dawn. Dawn. <laughs> Dawn. Sorry. Joyce Summers. I don't know. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yes, I do. It's Buffy. Buffy, one point. <laughs> Earl, 
Fran, Robbie, Charlene, and Baby. Possibly the 1990s most famous, well-loved TV show. Not true. Yeah. Maybe it's most maligned. Or at least most punch-lined. Hint. Sinclair. And that's the thinker. I don't know. My name is Earl. I have no idea. <sighs> Sinclair. Dinosaur Dinosaurs. logo. Dinosaurs. Tim, Jill, Mark, Brad, and Randy. These are the tailors of Home Improvement. You are correct for three points. Deborah, Robert, Marie, Frank, and Allie. You don't get it from my excellent impression. I can't help you. I know. I'm just trying to remember the actual last name. This is um, everybody loves Raymond, and it's the Barones. Barones. Piper, Phoebe, Prue, and Wyatt. Okay. Well, this is Charmed, and their last name was the following: Allowell. Nice. (laughs) Eric, Kitty, Reginald, and Lori. Well, this is that 70s show. What was their fucking name? Foreman? Yeah. Oh! <laughs> Me. Well Take done. Take us into Dang. our second score break, Tara. And two-thirds into our game. Okay. Steven, Annie, Mary, Lucy, Ruthie, Simon, Matt, Sam, and David. Ugh, this is the <laughs> fucking Camdens of 7th Heaven. <laughs> You are correct. Let's hear the scores. Okay. 41 points for me. Sarah has 5 to 32. 41 to 32. Scores again, please. 41. Yes. To 32. Thank you very much. The odds, guys. The odds. To Sarah. Marissa, Julie, Jimmy, and Caitlin. This must be the Coopers of the OC. Hey. Lucas, Nathan, Haley, Jane. Well, there's no comma here. I'm not sure if it's Haley James or Haley and James. Deb okay. and Dan. Um, uh, I'm going to guess this is One Tree Hill, but I don't know their names. Like the tissue paper. It's Scott. Scott. Oh, okay, right. John Don, Sears. Megan, Bobby, Sally, and Eugene. Eugene uh, is the tipster. Yeah, I just forgot that was the aughts. Holy shit, we are old. Um, this is the <laughs> Drapers of Mad Men. Yes, and there is your assumed name clue. I was, gonna, yeah. I knew it was going to be him. Yep. Allison, Joe, Ariel, and Bridget. 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 <laughs> Hint. That uh, is the Dubois. Uh, medium. Well done. <laughs> My interest wow. in that show was extra small. <clears throat> Alan, Jake, Charlie, and Evelyn. Jake. I'm going to need a hint. Harper is the family. Alan Harper, Jake Harper, Charlie Harper, Evelyn Harper. From the show known as... 
The Harpers. <laughs> I don't know. That's your two and a half men. Sarah. Two and, and a half, half men. Kara. Ah! Yeah. Frankie, Mike, Axel, Sue, and Brick. These are the hacks of the middle. You are correct with three points. Sarah D. Bunting. Betty, Hilda, Justin. Uh, hint. Suarez. Uh, uh, ugly Betty. For one. Stan, Steve, Haley, Francine. So many Haley's. Um, hint. Was the time of the Haley's Smith family. Oh. Mm. Stan Smith, you say? I've got yes. nothing. I don't know. No, you don't. That's American Dad. Girl, yes. No. Uh, closing ah. out the aughts. Kim, Terry, Philip, Graham. Graham is spelt some weird, funky way. Two E's? How? Uh, I looked it up. It is Graham. Graham A? But it is spelled G-R-A-E-M. Huh. Oh. Okay. That is weird. Um, thank you both for stalling on my behalf, but I'm still <laughs> going to need a hint. All right. This hint will give you the one point. The family name is Bauer. <laughs> Great. Graham Bauer. Um, 24. 24 is worth one point. All right, guys. Last decade chunk. 2010s. Cora, Edith, Mary, Robert, and Violet. Aw. These are the Crawleys of Downton Abbey. Here's one for Sarah, I think. Danny, Aaron, Jamie, Henry, Frank, Jack, Sean, and Linda. Why? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that is for me. Um, that is the Regans of Blue Blood. Ah! <laughs> nerd. Grandpa Penelope, nerd. Elena, and Alex. These are... Oh, my God. What is their last name? This is... Uh... Alvarez's of One Day at a Time reboot. Right. Maya, Jimmy, Ray, JJ, and Dylan. The Dylan always sticks in your head. I guarantee uh, she has never watched one second of this show. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of a hint. Uh, I need a hint. All right. Is it DeMeo or DeMeo? DeMeo. DeMeo. There's another hint. I watch the show. Yep. That doesn't narrow it down. You watch everything. Goldbergs. I don't know. Well, you're close. Right network. <laughs> that is speechless. Speechless. Oh, okay. Victoria, <laughs> Daniel, Charlotte, and Conrad. Hint. Grayson. Uh, revenge. Revenge. One point. Stephanie, Jackson, Max, and Tommy. Hint. Fuller. Yeah. Oh, come on. Fuller House. Yeah. <laughs> Noah, Helen, Whitney, Trevor, and Martin. And Soloway. Oh, the affair. The affair at one point. Everybody's got one question left. Here's Sarah's last. Laura, Maddie, Joe, Toby, and Sophie. I guarantee you've heard of them. 
So <laughs> Thanks, Dave. You're very sweet. Um, I don't remember their last name, but I think they're on humans. Heard of them. That's the Hawkins. Thank Hawkins you. from humans. All right. Lastly, and this is kind of a gimme. Tina, Jean, Linda, and Louise. <laughs> These are the Belchers of Bob's Burgers. You are correct. All right. Let's get the final scores, please. Good job, Tara. Okay. Final scores are Sarah had 46. I had 58. All right, Tara wins this non-regulation game, but we do have something at stake, which is this. A steel mill for use in future games. Okay. I will start reading The Family. As soon as you know the show, you spit it out. All right? Okay. Yep. Okay. Here we go. Tiffany. Heather. Cody. Dylan. Dermot. The Simpsons. It's Cletus's family. Hey, kids, we're eating dinner tonight. Come on, Tiffany, Heather, Cody, Dylan, Dermot, Jordan, Taylor, Brittany, Wesley, Rumor, Scout, Cassidy, Zoe, Chloe, Max, Hunter, Kendall, Caitlin, Noah, Sasha, Morgan, Kira, Ian, Lauren, Cubert, Phil. <laughs> Congratulations, Tara. Thanks. uh, May you use your steel mill wisely. Guys, that is it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We went on a voyage of non-discovery with Zachary Quinto's In Search Of (laughs) before going around the dial with stops at Dr. Pimple Popper Robin Williams, Come Inside My Mind, (laughs) and Ancient Aliens. Elizabeth called in the successful canon pitch for Fraser's Ham Radio. We crowned winners and losers of the week, and Tara was a winner of this week's non-regulation family game time. Remember. We're listening. I am David T. Cole, and on behalf of Tara Ariano. He's got a nug. And Sarah D. Bunting. It's a little man with a big secret. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next time right here on Extra. Ah, uh, great. Good afternoon. I would like 21 cakes that read Frasier Reunion 2010. Isn't it Frasier? No, it's Frasier. And I should know, I'm Frager. This has been a production of the Previously.TV Podcast Network.